about some mission stuff that we're involved in, okay? Thanks, guys. guys have said it much simpler what we're trying to do is live in union and on mission with Jesus to the glory of God uh, that's that has to be a part of everything we do right uh, whether it's relief work or whether it's uh, going to the Ukraine thank you brother for there some great brothers and sisters there and uh, uh, I was there but it's been years ago uh, a lot of things have changed in those years but uh, uh, a lot of good brothers and sisters there doing great things for the Lord in the middle of a bunch of turmoil. So it's a, uh, <clears throat> the thing of Christianity, is an, it's an adventure, right? I mean, it's a journey. It's a ride. And we get to be a part of it. And I don't know why God allowed me to be a part of where I am with the churches that I get to be with. But I'm just grateful because there are a lot of folks that are a lot smarter and more talented than I am that could, could be doing some stuff and, and yet I get to be a part of something that's really, really neat at our church as well as getting out to visit other churches. Psalm 130 is where we're going to talk a little bit and so before we get into that I do want to have a prayer. Father, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, what we are not make us for your glory in the name of Jesus and the church said amen Psalm 130 just eight verses in this psalm so if you, you know you would think the sermon wouldn't be very long but don't get your hopes up but uh, you know we'll try to honor our time nobody told me how long to speak by the way that's your fault all right Luke Luke that's your fault uh, but uh, I typically don't uh, go very long, so, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be eternal to be immortal. So, you, you know, or as a mentor of mine once told me, he said, if you don't strike oil in uh, 30 minutes, quit boring. So, uh, 
we're going to try to honor the honor our time there all right so in psalm 30 psalm 30 is a part of a group of psalms called the psalm of the ascent and these uh psalms were sung as they were going up to the temple to the festivals or to the passover and those kind of things so there's a whole group of them and this is one of those so this could be one of the psalms that the disciples and jesus sang as they went up for the passover you know they sang out of this group of psalms and uh and this psalm uh it's become a very, very favorite psalm of mine. One, uh, it always continually reminds me, and I'm reminded in my own heart of my own need for mercy. It also reminds me of the great love and forgiveness of God. And so uh, I kind of broke it down. Uh, the first couple of verses are about the author's cry, his cry. Then we see his thinking. We see his waiting. And then we see his sharing of what he's learned. So let's just, let's just dig into this a little, a little bit, okay? <clears throat> he says in Psalm 130, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. I appreciate the reading, by the way, Terry, and uh, uh, thank you for doing that. The, uh, you'll, you'll notice in the text, the first Lord is all capitals, and the second Lord, just the L is capital. That's kind of the English the translator's way of helping us note that there's two different words there. One is Yahweh, the first, and the second is Adonai. I, uh, now, you don't have to understand all that to praise the Lord, right? Okay? You don't have to be an, uh, any kind of Greek person. All I did was look it up somewhere on a computer. So it's not like, you know, it takes a lot of intellect here. But I do like the idea of the fact that when he calls on God, he calls on God really basically on, on, the, on the names that first come to him. Uh, Yahweh, and then uh, then Adonai, the, the sovereign majesty Lord, you know, that's taking care of everything. By the way, if you're in a need of crying, if you're in depths and you're crying out, you want the one that's all-powerful over everything to be the one to answer your prayer, right? And so uh, this idea of depths, uh, uh, when I first saw that, I, th I thought of several things. One, the, the Hebrew folks, they weren't really seafaring people, you know. Uh, but depths always kind of have the idea of water. And you look back in, like in Psalm 69, the, the waters are flowing over me. I'm drowning. It's this picture of drowning in my mess. And so it's got that kind of idea. They're in their depths. And some of you have been in depths. Some of you are in, might be in them today. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> if we put all my sins, including my thoughts, on the screen today, I would be terribly embarrassed. And you would be saying, and why did we invite that guy here? Right? Because I understand there's always a gap between what I preach and how I live. I don't want there to be a gap, but there's always that gap. As a preacher, you'll understand it, right, Luke? There's that gap. You're, you're, you're there sharing the things that are perfect, but you can't live up to it. So there's always that constant need for God's mercy and God's attention to your life. But then there's times that really depth takes place. You're in your brokenness. Maybe it's addiction that's overtaken you. Maybe it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's just a rebellion with kids. Uh, regardless of what depth you find yourself in, maybe it's just the battling depression. But you're in that depth, and you, and you want to cry. So the guy's going to cry out. What's he cry out for when he's in his depth? He cries first. He cries to God. And he cries for mercy. 
Look what he says. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. Do you ever wonder if God's listening to you or not? I've prayed over and over before about things, and then I think, he must not have heard me, right? And all the time, really, he's heard me, and he, has, he knows much better what's good for me than I do. But I want him to hear me so bad. And he, so he, he cries out, and he says, let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. So that's the first thing you see this guy's just crying out. Hear me, answer me, help me. And yet, uh, we've all kind of been there. So, matter of fact, sometimes we come to God with one problem, but there's really a deeper problem underneath that needs to be handled. Remember the guys that carried the, uh, uh, the lame man? They dug a hole in the roof. You know, I often wonder what the owner of the house thought about that. And they lowered him down through there, and, and Jesus said what? Your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute. They brought him there to where he could walk again. He came and they brought him with one expectation. He got even a greater answer to a deeper problem. Sometimes our depths are like that. We think it's one thing when really there's something deeper underneath there that God needs to take care of in our life. So he says, out of these depths, I'm crying to you. And then he says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? So now he goes to thinking. He's thinking about God now. He's cried out. Now he's thinking. He said, now wait a minute, Lord. If with you, with you, Yahweh, Adonai, if you kept a record of everything, who could stand? And the answer is obvious, right? Nobody could. Now, aren't you glad God doesn't keep a record? Or does he? Well, he doesn't for God's people. Remember? You're not under the law of sin and death anymore. Romans 8. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So that old law that said every time I sin I die. That law doesn't exist for me anymore. So now, yes, praise God for that. So now all of a sudden I can walk with confidence in God. Forgiveness. God, if you kept a record, nobody could stand. There'd be no forgiveness. Now, look, I understand, like the, the writer did, I understand I'm a sinner and I mess up. I got that early on as a kid in my church. Matter of fact, I used to always say, basically, we shouted truth and whispered grace. You know? <clears throat> so I learned this, and see if you know this verse uh, out of Romans 3 23. For all have and fallen of the glory of now finish the sentence why didn't my Bible teachers make me memorize the whole sentence I got the diagnosis I'm a sinner and I can't stand I got that but look what the next the rest of the verse is you can go ahead and look now you can cheat and look on your phone or whatever the rest of the sentence what is it somebody look at it this is church we can look at our Bibles Somebody got it? Huh? What's, what's, the, what's the next verse say? The rest of the sentence say. Romans 3.23. It's okay. We got all day. And we're justified by his grace through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why didn't I memorize the whole sentence? Just one sentence. 
I got the diagnosis. I didn't get the cure. Have any of you felt that way before? I didn't get the cure. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Matter of fact, we didn't even start at the beginning of the sentence. He says there's no difference talking about Jew or Gentile, whoever it is. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what race you are. Doesn't matter what country you are. There's no difference. Everybody's the same. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. But we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. So the psalmist cries out to God, and then he gets to thinking, God, if you kept a record, no, hey, nobody could stand. Oh, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I always thought this was interesting. With you there is forgiveness. And because of that, you're feared. Wait a minute. I thought you feared God and then got forgiveness. But here he says, you get forgiveness and then you fear God. So what's the idea there? It's not, this is not the fear, timidity, I'm scared to death of God. But it is that fear and love and respect of, of someone holding such great honor. You see, when I was a, when I was a, a kid growing up, my dad would motivate us with a belt. We messed up. And now when he, when he motivated us that way, or especially if we come in and done something wrong, or done, my dad always had to assess blame first. You, you understand what I'm saying? So my, bro, my brother's out and running around, and he's out on some old wood out there, and he steps on a nail, and it goes clear through the shoe and into the foot, and he comes in hobbling, he's bleeding. And the first thing my dad says is not, how are you, are you okay? First thing my dad says is, why would a man be running out there in those woods? You know there's nails. Okay, Dad, we get it. We're, we're guilty. Now can you stop the bleeding, you know? So sometimes it's kind of like we kind of think like that with God. Look, when I was little, I, I feared my dad. There were some... I was scared sometimes of what he might do. But I also loved him. And as I grew, I loved him even more. So as a kid, he would make me get on the roof and we'd clean out the gutters and all that kind of stuff. But later on, when my dad was too old to get on the roof, I would go home and I'd climb up on that house and I would clear those gutters. And it wasn't because I was afraid he was going to whip me. It's because I feared him. I loved him. So when God forgives us and we can understand him in his great holiness of forgiveness then I fear I obey I walk in his direction remember what the psalmist said in 119 I think 133 maybe he says turn to me and show me mercy direct my footsteps according to your word let no sin rule over me We love God. We want to walk according to his word because of his forgiveness. So I don't work in order to be saved. I work because I am saved. And that's a little bit different motivation. All right, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's get back to the text here. He says uh, after that, he, so you see his crying out. You see his thinking about God, understanding his forgiveness. And then he start, does this thing of waiting. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. 
In his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Remember, this is a psalm or a poem or a song to be sung, and uh, it's written that way. Waiting. Are you good at waiting? Uh, I have, I call it, we call it in my family the Kellett curse. No matter what line I get in, it becomes the longest. So if you see me in the store, go to another line, all right? You don't want in that line because somehow or another, it always ends up being the longest line. And so uh, uh, waiting, I've had to learn to wait. Now, uh, sometimes driving in Dallas traffic doesn't help me learn to wait. It forces me to wait, but it doesn't teach me very good sometimes. I remember one time, I used to live in Kaufman, so we would come into uh, Metroplex quite often. And I remember one time the kids are with me, and, and uh, I'm driving, and this guy cuts me off. And I try, I try to honk my horn at him, you know, and, and instead, I, I, mean, I think in my car, I don't know if I'd been in a new car or something. Anyway, I tried to honk my horn, but instead I hit the wipers, and my wipers came on. And I said, there, take that. And so... Uh, so my kids now are like, if I turn the wipers on, they're like, Daddy, you're mad at somebody? What happened here, you know? Waiting, patience. That, that's a hard thing sometimes for us to learn. He says, wait as the watchman waits for the morning. That guy that has that job of, of sitting outside guarding someplace all night long. How long that night gets for him. And how he can't wait see the sun come up he knows morning's coming and then he's getting off and it's done it's over there's that expectation in waiting that's really good for us and he says our waiting is is we wait on the lord in his word i put my hope hope is that waiting with confident confident expectation confidence this word hope has confidence in it <clears throat> Little Johnny came into his uh, schoolroom after a weekend. The teacher always liked to ask him if they did anything special over the weekend. And so the teacher says, Little Johnny, what did you do? And he said, Me and my dad went fishing. Oh, did you catch anything? We caught 75 catfish, and each one of them weighed 75 pounds apiece. Really? Oh, yes, ma'am. Johnny, are you sure? Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm sure. I mean, he's just confident, right? He said, Now, now, now look. <laughs> John, you, you know that's hard for me to believe. And, and oh, yes, ma'am, it's true. He said, now, think about this. If I came, if I came to, told you the story that when I came to, church, uh, to school this morning that I ran into a 1,000-pound bear and a little three-pound dog came out there, grabbed me by the nose, slung him back and forth, and killed that bear, would you believe that? Little Johnny said, yep. Matter of fact, that's my dog. <laughs> well... <laughs> Confidence, yeah. But our confidence is in something that's real. Our confidence is in an empty tomb. And the body came out of that grave. And ours is going to come out too. That's hope. That's confidence. Good things are coming our way. Only because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Not because of us. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. My soul waits in hope. Now, he says something about it. He says, and in his word, I put my hope. His word. 
whatever God promised, he can perform. So important for us as a people to stay settled into the word of God. The word of God will not lead us in a bad direction. The word of God is so important. Reading the word, meditating on the word, memorizing the word. We put it in our hearts. Remember what David said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? It protects us and might not sin against you. So it comes up just at the right time when you need it. In the battle, it's the sword. You and I need that. We need those weapons that God provides. And the word of God is the, is the anchor here that says God promised something. And I can hope with confidence because God always, always comes through with what he promised. I wait, but I wait with confidence. And then he says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Notice there's a change. He wasn't talking as an individual. Now he's talking to a group. The experience of one becomes hope for the many. So what this guy has experienced in his depth, in his cry for mercy, in his hope, in his waiting, in his forgiveness of God, now he proclaims and shares with the many. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, or some versions say steadfast love. Remember that little song? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are what? New. Every morning. And guess what? That's how often I need them. Because I'm battling this thing of sin all the time. They're new every morning. This morning you woke up. Brand new mercies. Brand new mercies. And what happens with us sometimes, Satan tries to talk us in to carrying around our past with us. Remember when the disciples were called by Jesus? They were fishermen, and he calls them, and they dropped their nets, and they followed him, the Bible says. My problem is, sometimes our problem is, that we haven't had the drop net moment because we drag our nets behind us and they get hung up and, 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 and on everything in the world. Our past guilt, our past sins, our past experiences, and they just keep holding us back and keep pulling against us. We need a drop net moment where we let go and just follow him. Have you had that drop net moment? I'm just, he's all I'm thinking about. I'm not carrying anything or dragging anything behind me anymore. Look, let go of old stuff. Yesterday really did end last night. It's new mercies every morning. But boy, that's hard for us sometimes. But look, drop the shame, drop the guilt, drop the condemnation. It really did end. How can I do that? How can I make that change 
where I really can have that transformation of mind. We know Romans 12, and, and I can all of a sudden understand the will of God, and I can walk the way God wants me to. He says, well, you got to understand, it's based on the steadfast love of the Lord. It's unfailing love. He, he will never cease to love you, and you can't do anything to make him love you more. Think about that one for a minute. You can't do anything to make him love you more. He already loves you deeply. It's a steadfast love, unfailing love. And he says, and with him is, I love this phrase, I think the version uh, uh, Terry read said plentiful uh, in the NIV. It says full redemption. You're sitting in the doctor's office. They give you that diagnosis. You have a tumor. It's cancer. Some of y'all been there. You have the surgery. You go back later for the test. You blood test, whatever test. Because what you want to find out is, did he get it all? You need to understand something. God got it all. Full redemption. Plentiful. More than enough. God got it all. Full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sin. See, there's three things God will not do. God will not forget your work and labor of love. Book of Hebrews says he records all your work and labor of love, the things that you've done for the brothers. He won't forget it. So, so uh, you're out there visiting the hospital. He, uh, he sees Luke go visit somebody, and he tells, he tells the angel, said, look, look, take a picture of that. I want to hang that on my refrigerator because that's what we do with memories, right, that we like to keep. You know, that's what my mom did. She, she would, like, if, if we won a ball tournament, she'd cut out the thing in the newspaper and put it on the fridge. You know, report cards. She didn't put report cards up there. There was a reason. But <clears throat> you know how people talk about how great the temp, top 10% of the class is? I was in the part of the class that made the top 10% possible. We'll just say that. So, <clears throat> but she didn't take a picture of, of tripping over the hurdle at the track meet and laying on the ground in the last place. She didn't take a picture of that and put it on the, she took a picture of the success. God remembers all the good things you do. Those don't go by him. He appreciates what you do for the kingdom. Look, look at Hebrews. He won't forget. God will never forget. Something else God will never do. God will never break you in your weakness. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not put out. That means... That you know what a reed is, that little stick that comes up, and, and it, it can break it easy. But if it's got a bruised spot on it, it breaks really easy right there. And in your weak moments, God is not looking to break you in your weakness. I used to think God was looking up uh, from above, you know, because I'd heard that song all my life. There's an all-seeing eye, what? Watching you and you and you, right? And so I was afraid he was going to catch me doing something like he didn't already know. And so I had that kind of view. 
But still, God says, I'll never, I won't break you in your weakness. When you're bruised, I don't break you down. A bruised reed, he will not break. And that smoldering wick, even when you're the smoke, and you can't get on fire like you need to, and it just could be irritating to someone's face, the smoke there, and even that, that doesn't drive God. God doesn't just snuff that out and say, I'm done with you. God will not break you in your weakness. And God will not remember your sins anymore. Paul quotes the Old Testament writer in Romans. I will remember their sins no more. Oh, thank you, God, for no memory of sins. My problem is Satan keeps reminding me of mine. And I need to remember, look, if God don't remember, maybe I don't need to either. Look, God, he will not remember your sins. He will not break you in your weakness. And he will not forget the work and labor you do among the brothers and sisters. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Earlier he said, put your hope in his word. If we lose his word, we lose our way. If we lose his word, we lose our way. And our way is not about perfection. It's about direction. It's a walk in the light. And the light is broad. And I walk in the light, and as I'm going toward Jesus, I stumble and fall, but I don't get out of the light because he continually, 1 John, continually forgives me of my sins. That's a walk of grace. Now, that's different than rebellion where I just turn my back on God and say, I don't care, I'm going to live like I want to. That's something different. But walking in the light is not a tightrope, and I stumble, I stumble my toe, say a bad word, and I'm out of the light. I say a quick prayer, and I'm in the light, and I'm in him out of the light, and I just hope he comes exactly at the right time. Matter of fact, if I could just take communion, just uh, the bread, bloom, and the communion, and I, right before I died, I know I'd make it, you know? Or if, you, or if I just died when you baptized me, then I would know. Isn't it strange that sometimes the assurance of salvation seems like it was greater the moment we became a baby Christian than it is years later as we grow? It's not meant to be that way. That's a lie from Satan. No. We are born again. We're babes, and we learn and walk and grow, and his assurance grows. Confidence in the hope that he has for us grows. And as it does, we help other people along the way because we always recognize we're broken people. I'm the woman dragged in front of the crowd in the book of John and says, I've committed, she's committed adultery. What are we going to do with her? We're all broken. I'm, she's not any more broken than me. We're all broken people. That's why I love your church. I love CR. I love what you do through that because we're open to the broken. Why? Because we're all broken. We've all cried for mercy out of our depths. We've cried to God who's the only one that can forgive us, who doesn't keep a record. We put our hope in his word and in him. And we have confidence because he provides full redemption. God 
got it all. God got it all. Thank you guys for being so kind to let me share a few things with you. It's a great psalm. Might be one you want to memorize sometimes. Just a lot of good stuff in it. We just kind of got started on a few other things there, but some really good things. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for this church. Thank you for using them in this community. Father, I'm grateful that you give me the honor to visit here today. Father, I... uh, thankful for your mercies that are new every morning you know you know I need them desperately father I thank you for the good news of Jesus the story of the death burial resurrection that changed all of our lives and I'm tempted to say father just come quickly come now when I look around at the world and all its troubles in it and I you know we just sometimes just want out of it so bad but also know, Father, that there's people who need to be in the kingdom that, that we need to share with. And so we leave all the time in the, up to you. You know what's best. Bless us as we live till that coming day that we'll share and help more and more people find King Jesus and live for him. Again, thank you for this church as they walk with Christ. They walk in union with him. They walk in obedience with him and sharing the good news. And as always, Father, you receive the glory. We receive encouragement from being a part of the family that you brought us into, a forever family. It's in Jesus' name that we pray with the help of the Spirit. And amen. Thank you very much.